now, coming at you from the Five Star Physique Studio in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is The Drop Set with your host, Darren Starr. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to 172 here. We are recording this on June 19th, 2020, 716 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. How are you doing? I'm Darren Starr. Thank you for joining me this morning, as always. We've been doing this for a long time now. Man, 172. Really? God, crazy. Um, so anyway, I had some good feedback on last week's episode. Thank you for that. Everybody who responds, I always appreciate that. Thank you. Had some um, additional questions come in this week, some interesting information as well. So I want to talk a little bit about some of that stuff too. Um, we're going to kind of go down the list. I don't know what we're going to talk about today, but I got a whole list of things here. Um, and we're just going to kind of go off the cuff with some of this stuff. Um, first things first, um, I have finally at last some clients competing, not this weekend, but next. Um, so next weekend on the 27th of June, which happens to be my anniversary as well, five years, um, we finally got some shows happening. And so far, eight days out, they haven't been canceled yet. Hallelujah. So uh, one of those is in Oklahoma, Mary, good luck. And one of those is in, good Lord, I think, I didn't even check. I think it's Minnesota, Aaron, right? Is that is is it in Minnesota? Um I mean I know you are, but I don't know if the show is or not. That's that's one thing. It's like <laughs> I don't really pay too much attention to where the shows are. If I'm not going, it doesn't matter where it is in my book. It matters when it is and it matters where it is to you, but I don't really care. It could be on the moon. It doesn't really matter to me as long as you can get there in time. Um so I think I think Minnesota though I'm making the, that assumption I'm rolling with it here, um, and so we'll see. Um, the Oklahoma show is an NPC show, and the Minnesota one is uh, OCB. So we'll see how it goes. Um, I'm I'm curious to see. But anyway, the whole point of this is um, Aaron emailed me regarding this show, and she got a note from the promoter talking about how they were going to handle entry um, for spectators in here, which is kind of cool. So. Um, Here's how it works. So as far as selling tickets, the first thing that they're doing, I think this is good, is they're selling live stream tickets, which is great. Now, the problem is, I mean, if you're a competitor, you want your supporters to be there making some noise. And if they're at home watching it on their iPad, not really the same. Not really. So the, definitely the, the experience loses a lot. By the same token, you could have people able to watch you who wouldn't necessarily go to the show didn't want to go to the show they want to be able to watch you compete in their bathrobe from the comfort of their own kitchen which hello that would be me so um anyway so they're they're selling live stream viewing tickets for 20 bucks which is cool so it, it seems pretty standard here so they purchase the ticket online uh, get an email prompting them to join a facebook streaming page where you enter a code etc so um they have to have their own Facebook account must be the person to buy the ticket online. So it's like tied to your Facebook account. It looks like, um, as the competitor, you cannot purchase them for them because otherwise you're only going to be able to watch it through your Facebook account, which I guess if you want to give your Facebook password to people, that's something you could do. Probably a bad idea. Um, so I think that's a cool idea. I I like that. So I think that's a, a smart move. As far as the the in-person audience, this is interesting, and it's kind of confusing, so see if you can follow with me on this. Now, what I like is that they're looking for solutions, and they're being innovative here, and they're, they're being creative, and they're like, how can we still 
get people in here and observe some level of, you know, <laughs> intelligent safety measures. So what they're doing here, I'm just going to read it verbatim here and we'll, we'll parse this out. I might interrupt myself here, but we're going to try and just parse this out and make sure that we understand what it is. So quote classes will not have, let me try it again. Okay. I got that right, but I thought I read it wrong. So I'm going to say that again. Classes will not have more than five on stage at one time due to social distancing guidelines. I, the promoter am allowed 10 in audience per class which is two people per competitor. So if you are in a class that has five people in it, you are allowed to purchase two wristbands for $20 each, cash only, at check-in when you come in for your polygraph. Again, drug-tested show. Um, what if you're in a class that has only two or three people in it? See below for a little chart that says how many wristbands you can purchase. Again, the idea being you know, you are, uh, you're, you're restricted to 10 people in the audience. So if there's two in your class, you can get four wristbands, um, which is eight total. Why not five? I have no idea. You should be able to get five. That seems like bad math there. I don't know. If there's three people in your class, um, you can get three wristbands. So there's nine people total. And then, you know, they should they should draw straws to see who can get the fourth. Um, if there are five people in your class, two wristbands. If there are four people in your class, two. Again, so there'd be eight total in the audience there. So, um now, what happens if there's more than five in a class? That's the question. Because when I first read this, I'm like, oh, okay, they're going to have five on stage at a time. They're going to do call-outs. Well, no, it sounds like they're actually limiting the class size to five, which tells me they'll probably just make more classes. So instead of like an A, B, C, and D, if there's a whole bunch of competitors, you might have like an A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H. Um, if they really need to delineate things out, like, okay, class A, five, one, and five, two. <laughs> class B, if you're five three, class C five four and five five, class and so on and so forth. So just a little bit more granular um, detail of how they sort people per classes there. I would assume because it doesn't sound like they're going to be doing callouts at all. It's just five in a class maximum. Now also I think this is a relatively uh, uh, not not a huge show. I don't know how small it is, but it's 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 not a huge show. And also being that it's in this point where you know, there's a lot of people that are like, I don't know if there are going to be shows. I imagine attendance at this show, as far as competitors is concerned, is going to be smaller than usual because also, you know, you got a lot of people who are like, I'm not in the gym. I don't want to be prepping for a show. Um, and Erin, to her credit, has been like, I do not give a crap. She's back in the gym now for like a week, which is awesome. Um, but she's been killing it otherwise. And she is just like completely and totally on fire here. So <laughs> we're coming in pretty hot to this show here. Pretty ready, but pretty uh, excited for this. And she's ready. Um, it continues and said, final class lists will be posted after the entry deadline. The deadline to register without a late fee is June 13th. No entries taken after June 20th. So there's a little bit of a time crunch here. You said, I will email you all the class lists by Monday the 22nd so you know how many wristbands you can come prepared to purchase when you check in at the host hotel for polygraph. That's the thing. Since you're not buying these far in advance, it doesn't really matter if you're only getting like four days notice on how many you can buy. I think that's fair. Um, it's fair. It's reasonable. Um, it still gets people in the audience. And here's the thing. I think it'll be a, uh, a better experience for spectators because guess what? Everybody's going to be in the front damn row. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, I mean, you know, front two rows, maybe you got to spread out a little bit. Right. <laughs> but, um, I think that's cool. I, I think that's good. And, 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 you know, here's the thing. It, it's better than not having a crowd at all. So, 
yeah, you might say, I, I want to do this in a, a packed auditorium. Well, that's great. And just keep in mind that most auditoriums for prejudging aren't packed anyway. So, um, and this is a show I believe also, I need to double check. Um, I believe this is a straight through format show. So there's no prejudging finals. So it's just all at once, which realistically, when you're doing things this way, is the only way to handle this. I mean, for NPC shows, this is the time where they really need to reevaluate their prejudging and finals format and just get rid of it completely and permanently forever. Um, it's a great time to do that. It's just impractical at this point to go through. I mean, if the NPC ends up doing something like this, and let's be clear, I kind of doubt they will. Uh, we'll see. It's probably going to be like a normal show. I don't even know if they're going to be doing any social distancing or making people wear masks or anything like that. Um, I'll be very curious to see how that shakes out. But realistically, NPC, I mean, if you want to have shows and if you don't want to like have giant outbreaks of coronavirus show up all over the place, you got to take some precautions here. And having people and spectators show up just once in a format like this is the smart move. Um, so what they'll be doing here, um, I, I assume is, uh, there was another note. It didn't go in the email here, but I think maybe I, Aaron might've told me this. I might've hashed it out with her. Oh no, here it was. I, I skipped over it here. So, um, it said all wristbands will have the competitor's name on it. So my promoters doorman can regulate competitors and fans to go with each competitor. So they're going to have a guy out at the door calling out names. So-and-so, so-and-so, and so-and-so coming up on stage, show me your wristband, blah, 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 blah. So, um, yeah, I mean the, the only thing that I, I don't like is that it gives the competitor more to do. The one thing about just buying a ticket is that you, as the competitor, you just have to make sure that people know where to go, but then psh, they can do that all themselves. Uh, you know, your, your friends and family that are there, they can get their own ticket here. You've got to do it for them, which means you've got to get it. Uh, you have to pay for it, worry about getting reimbursed. Um, and then you've got to hunt the person down and do all this extra running around and stuff, which is, you know, let's be clear. It's not the end of the world, but when it's the day before a show, the last thing you need is more stuff on your plate to do. Um, so that's the only thing where I'm like, eh, I don't really like it for that. I wish people could do it themselves, but you know, with limits like this, there, there are practical considerations here. So all things being equal, I think it's okay. I think it, it's not a bad solution here. I'm pretty pleased with that, actually. So, um, yeah, so let's uh, let's check it out. I think we got some voicemails here, maybe. Let's check it out and see what we hey, got. Hey, Coach, this is Dana Weinzettel from Minneapolis. I'm uh, super excited to finally call in. I wanted to wait until I was through all of your episodes as to not double up on any questions that have been asked already. Um, and you may or may not be able to answer this for me, but I just um, was curious. So um, I'm going to be competing, as you know, in October in the figure division. And um, I just have concerns, you know, being able, being out of the gym for the past couple of months um, and only being able to train at home. I've missed out on, uh, you know, I, I would say some gains. So my question is, say you have two people maybe competing for the overall and one um, is, say, bigger and the other one is more conditioned, what do you think the judges will award? Do you feel like they will go for the more conditioned individual or the person that has a, a little bit more size? Um, any information you could give me, I would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much. Good question. Thanks, Dana. And to be clear, we heard from Dana last week. So she actually called in with her question last week and this one at the same time. So that's why she was introducing herself there when we have heard from her recently. So a uh, really good question, though. Um, so how, how would I couch this? Um, asking about um, judging 
preferences in terms of size versus conditioning. This, this is how, how lazy I am. I'm typing in my show notes for the episode as I go along here. So um, that, I had that marked at 11.02. Is that about right? I think that's about right here. Yeah. Um, so it's a good question. And so this would apply, you know, figure, I mean, any division that the, the the answer is always that it's unknowable. Um, and one thing that um, uh, Sandy Williamson, who's the head judge for the NPC, has said, which always kind of infuriates me. And when, when I saw this clip the first time, I'm like, what are you talking about? I mean, I, I get it. I get it. I still think it's frustrating. And she said, you know, we can only judge what's on stage in front of us. Um, and so that means that and she kind of delved into this a little bit. The The implication there is judging standards change based on the class that's in front of a set of judges, um, which to me is just fundamentally a bad idea. That's, and I, I have a hard time buying any argument to the contrary. Um, but you, you have to say like, okay, among this group of men, this group of women, who here looks the best? Um and so what you can find is that, you know, suddenly in this lineup, like, well, that guy's the biggest, but, you know, compared to everybody else, you know, that size kind of stands out here. I don't know. I, I have a hard time trying to step my brain through the logic required to to see things that way. I'm like, the standards are the standards. And I think what you need to do is say, okay, on a scale of zero to 100, zero being you know, somebody that really has no business being on stage, 100 being somebody who, you know, is like Olympia caliber. Where does this person fall on that spectrum? And so, and I've talked before about how I'd love to see an alternate scoring rubric where you actually take the uh, uh, metrics that everybody is judged on and they get a score in each of those columns and there's some kind of a uh, calculus that determines you know, a final score for that person based on how they, um, how they fared in each individual category, like conditioning, size, proportion, symmetry, presentation, posing, etc. Well, that's not going to happen. Um, it's pie in the sky. I'm still holding out hope, but I'm also a realist. Um, so where does that person, you know, on, on that zero to 100 scale, where do they fit? So yeah, you can only judge what's on stage, which means, you know, if you don't have anybody that's Olympia caliber, well, somebody's still winning the class, you know, you've got to go with the best up there, but the standards of what you're looking for shouldn't be, shouldn't be changing based on who's up on stage. Um, all that to say it's a moving target and you'll never know. So you might score the people up on stage on that zero to 100 scale and like, well, we got a 63, we got a 68, we got a 72, we got a 48. Okay. The 72 wins. Cool. You know, it's you <laughs> on the Olympia judging scale, you get a C minus. Um, but here you win your class. Be why? Well, because it's an amateur show. That's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Being a 72 on that scale in an amateur show is pretty damn good. Um, at any rate, Point being, Dana, to your question, uh, you, you never know. You never know. So a, a few possible permutations uh, of this outcome here. It could be, God, why am I still clipping my mic all the damn time? I mean, I put a compressor on this, right? I got a limiter on it. I got a compressor last week. I probably need a DS or I might need a new pop filter for my microphone. Is this thing? Well, I don't know. Hmm. Maybe I need to lower the threshold on my compressor just a little bit. And if I click auto makeup gain, does that do anything here? Test, test, test. Eh. I don't know. 
I, th- I think so. We'll, we'll watch it. I'm going to continue watching it here. So a few permutations. Sorry, I get distracted. I should I should stop looking at my uh, my recording program while I'm doing this. Um, where was I? Permutations. That's right. So let's say you come in and you are. Let's go with the extremes here. You're packing a ton of size. Didn't get super lean. Now. One thing I can say is, okay, like you're gonna like looking like a beast up on stage, a freak, but didn't really bring the conditioning. Is the size gonna be enough to carry you? Now, if somebody else shows up and they are, you know, not nearly as big and they're not like shredded to the bone or anything like that, but they're leaner than you are, and just overall aesthetically have a better look, I'm probably gonna go with them. But, you know, there's a lot of personal preference thrown in here. So you, you've got to bring all the categories. You've got to bring size. You've got to bring symmetry. You've got to bring conditioning. If you're all one of those, like if you're just all size and you don't bring anything else, like you can just have a ton of muscle on your frame, but it's not really well proportioned. You don't have any conditioning. I'm sorry. I'm not going to score you very well because you're a one-trick pony. You didn't bring a complete package. Um, similarly, if you come in and you are shredded to the bone, but you just look tiny, like there's just very little muscle on your frame versus some Somebody else who's packing a little bit more size but did not get as lean. Well, let's be clear here also. The judging standard for figure is not shredded. So while it's impressive, it's cool. It should not be rewarded. That is not what we're looking for. I don't want you at 4.4% body fat on stage necessarily. And keep in mind also there, there's things to consider where, you know, historically, especially in the NPC, that has been rewarded. So, you know, I'm, I'm always looking to get somebody as lean as possible just because it's very rare that you hear legitimate feedback saying that somebody was too lean. Just very rare. Because the other thing is with, with most amateur physiques, once you get to the pro level, you've it, it's not that um, the, the pro experience makes you that much better, but it's just like if you're getting pro, they've kind of weeded out the people that, um, have this issue so that only the people that are a little bit more balanced in how they carry fat remain. Um, but you, you see a lot of people at the amateur level who are like super, super, super duper lean, like completely shredded, um, above the waist, but legs still a little soft. Don't have quite the separation there. I know somebody listening to this right now is nodding their head and be like, that's me, that's me. And to, to her, I will say you and everybody else. It's a very common problem. So, you know, some people have a little bit more even fat distribution and those are the people who, if they put everything else together are going to go pro and are going to do very well going pro. Now, the other thing is, I think there is something to be said for the experience. You know, the more you go through it and if you go through a successful rebound, a good product of off season, you stay relatively lean. Um, I've seen people make that correction where their, their fat distribution does uh, kind of equalize out a little bit over time. That's certainly doable. You can have those fatty trouble spots and address them, not by, not by spot reduction or anything like that, but just by being super, super consistent and continuing to grind and hammer away at it. Um, so what are the judges going to reward? It's impossible to know. So what my goal is, um, it, it depends on the show. Um, but for an NPC show specifically, we get you as lean as possible. Um, because I don't care what the judging standards say. I've never seen anybody well in, in bikini occasionally. Sure. But in figure, I've never had anybody say you're just too lean for figure. No, the judges eat that shit up. Are you kidding me? They love that shit. So yeah, you, you get way leaner than you're supposed to be. They're going to love you. And so if we can do that and maintain some size, 
that's that's the perfect thing. So it's always been true in the NPC that conditioning kills, and for the most part, it does. Absolutely, um, there are always exceptions to that, um, and you you can't be a one trick pony. You can't be just all leanness and not have any size on your frame, not have any balance, uh, not have a good uh, presentation overall, have your posing be off, etc. You you got to you know bring. I would say you got to bring at least 60% to everything, but if you can bring 80 to 90% on the conditioning column, that's usually going to be enough. Um, that, that'll, that'll be the kind of thing. I'd, I would rather have somebody come in with more conditioning than we need than more size than we need. If I had to pick one of those, I would pick conditioning for sure. So, um, so Dana, for you specifically, you're in a great spot right now because I think we can hit both. So I'm not, I'm not too worried about you. Um, and also, um, you mentioned, you know, being out of the gym and you're back in the gym now. So this, this message was from, when was this? This was submitted June 5th. Yeah. Only two weeks ago. That's not too bad. Um, so, and since then you've gotten back in the gym. So uh, just in time for prep to start and we have since switched shows, moved some dates around. So a lot of stuff is changing here, but I feel very good about where you're at right now. Specifically, we got one more message here. Let's get to that and see what we got. Okay, and I lied. That was the message. Um, that came in on June 15th, which would have been what, Monday, Sunday, something like that? I don't know. What the hell was it? Monday. Um, Monday at like 5 something p.m. Eastern time. If that was you, um, that's what I got. I feel it might have been like a political robocall at this point as well. I don't know. Uh, and I had somebody call in yesterday and never um, they never left a message. In fact, I just remembered that I heard my, my phone line ringing here, but never got a voicemail alert, which is very rare. And it just made me wonder like, huh, did I not, uh, did I just not get an email notification? Let me just check real quick here. Because um, you never know. You never know. Google Voice. Uh, uh, okay, here we go. All right. Um, did I get anything yesterday? Dramatic pause, dramatic pause. No, no, that thing from Monday um, was the last one. So, yeah, uh, it's actually 33 seconds of silence with those two little pops and clicks. That was all I got. So, um, okay, well, that was anticlimactic. So that was nobody from nowhere. Um, so here's the thing. I've got this whole um, whole big thing of uh, notes that I've saved from people, etc. And uh, I figure we can kind of go through through a little bit of this. So, um, Let's see. Let, let's start. Let's start with Drew. Why don't we? So Drew um, has has called in before, had some good questions, and uh, this time she emailed me and she said uh, she has. This was from a few weeks ago. Said she's just finished listening to all episodes of the podcast. And once again, my condolences. I apologize for that. Um, so she said pre workout supplements. A lot of people who are taking it, and there's hundreds of brands selling it on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook and everywhere else. Good Lord. Um, side effects, risks, effectiveness of, of pre-workouts. And this is something that's come up a lot. So my stance on pre-workouts is the same as my stance on fat burners. Um, I will use them personally. Pre-workouts for sure. Fat burners... Mm, occasionally. I'm not a huge fan of over-the-counter fat burners, realistically. I just don't find that they do a whole lot more than anything else. Um, I, I find that the, one of the biggest benefits you get from over-the-counter fat burner is the placebo effect from taking it. Um, and it can kind of help focus people a little bit. So I like it for that. Like focus your efforts. It doesn't provide any additional mental focus in and of itself, even though they will all say that they do. And uh, maybe they do. I have never experienced anything like that. You know, people talk about, you know, this pre-workout gives you laser focused, you know, mental clarity. I'm like, 
No, it doesn't. I'm still thinking about, you know, what parts of my garage I need to sweep during my workouts. You know, I mean, no, <laughs> maybe it can help push you in that direction, but not enough to overcome a busy brain that can't focus on stuff anyway. And with my workouts lately, that's kind of the space that I've been in here. It's been a little bit of a struggle. So, um, but I, so my stance on those is that I don't usually recommend them because I hate recommending stuff that people have bad experiences with. And those are two classifications of products, pre-workout and fat burners, that often enough, people have negative experiences taking them that I just am not comfortable recommending them. Um, and by that, I mean like, you know, both of those, those are two classifications of product that are notorious for throwing the kitchen sink in their product. Um, and the more stuff you throw in there, the more likely it is that somebody that has a system that's less than bulletproof is going to have some kind of a negative reaction to those. So the answer would be, yeah, I'm a fan of both. I'm, I'm really a fan of a pre-workout. A good pre-workout absolutely helps with pump, helps with blood flow. You bet, 100%. Um, but you get some people that are like really, you know, caffeine sensitive um, and they just they just don't handle it well. Some people who work out um, later in the day, um, they're just a little caffeine sensitive, but they take that and then they can't sleep afterwards. That's another thing. Um, some people, they really, really have a negative reaction to beta alanine in those causes some skin tingling, that kind of thing. And, you know, for some people, it can be more extreme. I've experienced that for me. It's just like, whew, all right, I guess I better get lifting. You know, it's it's one of those things. It's just it hits me very subtly. Some people, it's, they find it really objectionable. Um, and, oh, there's something else. What was it? Um, the caffeine thing. Oh, and so you could also go with um, non-stim pre-workouts. And uh, this, this actually, this is, um, I had a client, Brandon, we were going back and forth with this yesterday after his check-in. He was asking for if I had any recommendations on non-stim pre-workouts. And my answer was, no, I don't. Because I remember I, I went through a few of those several years back just as an experiment. Um, and just trying like some samples here and there, never found one that I felt was effective at all, which just tells me like the main thing that I get from it is, is a caffeine boost. <laughs> so, um, you could just take a caffeine pill also realistically and get, I think probably 50% of the benefit of a pre-workout. Um, and the other thing was, so I didn't, I didn't take any of those that I really felt did anything that would make me want to recommend those. And also I can't remember what any of them were. So, um, I would say, I'll, I'll put this out to the crowd here. If anybody has a non-stim pre-workout that they do recommend and are a fan of, share it. Call in and let me and everyone else know. Um, that'd be a great recommendation. You could do a great service to your community here. That would be awesome. So, um, yeah, risks, uh, not many other than, you know, if, if it contains something that, you know, is going to disagree with your system or has some kind of a, a side effect that hits you a little bit harder then you, you may feel lousy for a little bit. And then that's just a sign that we stop taking it. Um, that'd be the only real risk effectiveness. Um, I, I'm a fan. Uh, I am. I, I do find that the, the overall pump is a little bit better. It is more effective if you cycle off periodically and incorporate regular rest days as well. So you're not taking it every single day. I've had some people who are like, I just like my pre-work. Out, so I take it before cardio. I'm like, no, no, you don't stop it. And you don't do that. Cardio is not a workout. Let's be clear. Cardio is cardio. Pre-workout means training. Um, so that is my thought there. Now, um, Drew also asked, and I, I will indulge here. She said, tell us uh, the story of how you got where you are. And she said, I know you've touched on this before, but it would be cool to hear it from start to finish. So a little sip of water here. 
All right, kids. Come up to the fireplace. Let's do story time. Back in, I guess it would have been June of 1976. No, we'll skip conception. We'll skip birth. We don't need to go into any of that. Um, how I got to where I am. Where am I right now? Well, I ended up in Knoxville at my desk here being a full-time bodybuilding coach. Um, and that is it. I had <laughs> one, uh, one client recently, Jen, um, who, uh, you know, cause I, t- I talk a lot about music and stuff and, uh, and, and she was like, you know, I, uh, she said something offhand. I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was something like, you know, I hope your, um, music stuff goes well. And, uh, th- there's, I should look it up. Uh, we, we got a big email history though. So I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to take me forever to find it. Um, it was something along the lines of like, you know, I, uh, hope it, uh, hope, uh, music doesn't pull you away from, from coaching or anything like that. And, you know, you can still find time to do this. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa hold the phone. <laughs> so, um, like th- there's some kind of impression that, um, that I, I make money on doing that. And let's be clear. That is a money losing venture. That's the only thing that, that is a, a hobby. So the only thing that I do is, uh, is this, well, not podcasting, but coaching. That, that's all I do. That, that's the only way I make any money. Music is how I lose money. So that's how I spend it. <laughs> just nothing. Maybe, maybe that changes sometime soon. I don't know. Um, small update on that also since we're talking about me now we've we've devolved into the me portion of the podcast here um so i have a studio day scheduled for monday that might be the last one whoo man seems crazy to think about that so i went through this last week and did my final mix notes for um travis our producer and engineer and sent those over to him through email it was a couple pages of notes and it's things like um i should i should pull it up because it's kind of funny to listen to this um or to, to, to hear some of this stuff so let's see final mix notes from darren here it is um so there's one song where we're missing some finger snaps in the middle that we never recorded um Another song, there's a short little violin solo in the middle of it. I'm like, can we bring that up a couple decibels? Um, in one of the songs, there's a, a track where I hear like hear like some kind of a clattering in the background. And I think it was from, it might be the, the bass player because it was an upright bass, an acoustic bass. Um, I think it might have just been slapping the bass there. Um, but I couldn't tell. I couldn't tell for sure. So I just asked him, what track is that on? If it's on bass, I'm not worried about it. If it's on something else, we might want to be able to see see if we can get rid of it or something like that. Um, there's one part where a song was missing. Um, there was one song where one note on the piano was just too loud, and I want to adjust it. Um, <laughs> there's one song where there's a, a, a violin part that kind of goes through the whole song. And I picked out three sections of about four to five seconds each where I really liked what it was doing. And I wanted to just volume up those a little bit. So that's where I'm at right here with these notes. Um, and so I have about two pages of notes like that for, uh, for 13 songs that are, uh, on this album. And so Travis responded back pretty much immediately and said, Hey, cool. I, I can just, you know, start working on that right now should be able to do most of that in a day. And so he'll do that on a day. Cause we were planning on like having two days left. Um, he's like, I can do that on my own. You guys don't need to come in. That can be one day. And then we're going to come in on Monday. And I know my wife wants to redo some vocals on one song. I want to go over a couple of these, um, items specifically in person. Um, and, uh, 
that might be it. And then what he will do at that point is render everything out for final mixes, send it all over. I'll listen to it again, see if there's any last little things that didn't get taken care of or anything else that jumps out. And at that point, it's off to mastering. So, um, and then I think at that point, we'll be very close to being able to announce a release date, which is kind of exciting. So, that's where we're at there. So how did I get to where I am right now? Um, I will try and stick with the relevant stuff. Um, little story. So, okay, boy, how long do I have here? I'll try and I'll try and get through this fairly quickly. In high school, I remember there was a um, some kind of like a an employment um, evaluation survey or something like that. Like it was one of these class exercises. Like find out what job you're best suited for. And, uh, I went through it and I answered all the questions and it said I was a wastewater engineer. I'm like, what? Like sewage captain? Huh? Well, little did I know at the time, that's what a civil engineer is. You know, or, or it's one, one thing that you can do with a civil engineering degree is be a wastewater engineer. Very important job. Um, can pay really well. Absolutely. And it's, it's not a dirty job. It's an engineering job. So, um, that being said, um, right out of high school, I went to college at Oregon state for music. Um, I was a music major. What was I going to do with that? I thought I was going to teach. How dumb is that? Like, can I see me now as a teacher? Hell no, hell no. But I really respected my high school music teachers and I thought they were awesome. Like that's what I want to do. Um, so I lasted a term, one term got, I think a D minus in college algebra. So there goes the engineering dream, right? <laughs> Oops. Um, so I drop out, um, end up getting married, and that didn't last long, um, and worked uh, as a pizza delivery driver for about a year, actually. And, you know, at the time, that was okay money. That wasn't too bad. Uh, and then I had the opportunity to switch over to a computer job. I, I knew a lot about computers. I'd built several um, really, really savvy with the underpinnings of, you know, how the operating systems work, et cetera. Um, at that point, one of the big operating systems, remember this was like 1996 was DOS, you know, windows 3.1, windows 95 was just, just coming out. So there's still a lot of heavy DOS use as well. So I remember I had a DOS 6.22 user's manual that I had read cover to cover. It was like 900 pages. I knew myself some disc operating system. Hell yeah, I did. So I was a nerd like that for sure. So I got a job with a tech company. Um, it was a company that made PC peripherals doing support and worked my way up through there was a level one tech level two senior technician product team leader and then moved into supervisor of support operations by the time I was like 23 or something like that making pretty good money I was pretty happy with that <clears throat> and then you know the company went through some restructuring etc and uh, I got caught in like the fourth round of layoffs, I think. Um, and that company is still around. They've been bought out many times. They are, you know, basically just a, a brand at this point. I don't know that anybody actually works for the company. It's just a name. <clears throat> um, but after that, I was like, huh, what do I do now? Okay, well, you know, collect unemployment for a bit. And then I got a temp job working for another company that was in the digital signage industry. So I still had the opportunity to work with computers and do computer-related stuff just in a different industry. Worked there for many years, actually. And that was a good job. Had the opportunity to travel a little bit there, do some trade shows, stuff like that. And um, so it was in the time of the first job where I started working out. And uh found out that, okay, this is something I really like, really enjoy. I'm not really good at it. I don't know what I'm doing, but I like it. And so I started learning a little bit more. And so that happened, that progressed over the next, you know, seven or eight years, pretty much. Um, and then, um, I'd been at this second job for a while 
several years and started to get a little bit more serious and was thinking like, I think I kind of want to do a competition here. And then, you know, life changes happen and I started to reevaluate, like maybe I need to go back to school. And so I went back to school for drum roll, please. Civil engineering, just like my high school job survey said that I should. <laughs> so, and uh, lo and behold, I aced it. So the kid who was getting the D minus in college algebra the first time around, um, got, I think 101% on college algebra the second time around. Like you go back when you're older and it just clicks. So this is like, I was 29, 30 at this point and all the coursework was just so easy. So college algebra trig. Okay, fine. And then I'm like, Oh, calculus. Mm, okay. So differential calculus, pff, easy, integral calculus, easy, multivariable, infinite series, differential equation, pff, easy, 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 easy. I had to work for it for sure, but I didn't have any problem acing all those classes, all the engineering coursework, easy, fun, super cool, digging it, continuing to train the whole time, thinking about doing a show, um, getting started on a couple preps. They ended up being false starts. Didn't finish. Um, but learning more, um, you know, making some, some friends locally who are teaching me some things. So I'm learning a lot more about it. I kind of know what I'm doing at this point. I've got a pretty good base built, pretty solid foundation. Still didn't manage to step on stage yet, but you know, you do enough failed preps. And I think you actually have a chance to learn more from those than you do from a successful prep. If you play your cards right. And if you really try to read into it. So, um, got a lot from that. Um, and then with school, I had the opportunity after three years to do an internship. So I took that internship, which opened my eyes to the fact that, damn, this sucks because I really wanted to, you know, going back to college when you're 30, it's like, this is what I'm going to do. And then I realized the job. No, like the coursework. I love it. It's fun. The job. No, this is not fun. I don't want to do this. And part of it was I was in a company that was just a really bad company. Like they were going through a lot of internal reorganization. People were unhappy, et cetera. So it was a bad environment to be in, but also very stark contrast to what being a working engineer is versus, you know, doing the coursework in school. It's like, mm, yeah, this, this is not appealing. This is not appealing. So I'm like, I'm going to take a, a term off. Like I actually left the internship early. Like I'm going to take the rest of this term off and just do something that I think is fun. And so I got a personal training certification and then I actually started training people locally in a, in a studio there. And that's when things took off. And that's when I realized I'm good at this and I like this and this is fun. And so, um, in the time that I spent at a studio there, I realized that, uh, you know, training is part of the job, but having some business savvy is probably a bigger part of the job. So, um, I knew that I needed a website and, um, I was just happy training people in person. That was fine. So then, um, my girlfriend at the time and I moved here to, well, not here, but I moved out East to Asheville. So I just got started training, had some clients built up, had, you know, was, was starting to experience a little bit of success there. And then, um, we had the opportunity to move out to Asheville. I'm like, well, you know, my job at this point is portable. So why not? Um, and I knew there was a, a school out in Asheville where if I wanted to, um, experiment and, and go into, um, being, uh, going to school for being a physical therapy assistant, I could do that. Um, I didn't end up doing that, but, um, moved out to Asheville, got set up at a studio there and, um, was, you know, really finding my groove a little bit and realized like, I am, I'm really good at this and I can, I can do this and I can be successful with this. I had a website built. Well, I built it myself, had it built, <laughs> I built a website myself. Um, and, uh, 
it was geared towards, you know, trying to get people in Asheville to be able to find me for personal training services. And one thing after, after about a year, what I realized is that, um, people in Asheville, like I really wanted to work with competitors. Like that's what I wanted to do. Um, at this, at this point I'd, I'd competed a couple times, um, with, you know, varying degrees of success, <laughs> but I was learning. And, uh, so I, I found that, you know, people in Asheville, it's like, it's just not a big competitive community. It's not, there are a couple of coaches in town who are already established. I'm like, if I want to do this, I'm going to need to expand and go outside of Asheville and do this online. I was aware that online coaching was a thing. It was still relatively new. There weren't a whole lot of people doing it. Um, and so I started, I hired a coach myself just so I'm like, I want to see how this works. And, uh, someday when I record a podcast, and I'm a little more drunk. Um, I will go in and detail experience I was, I've had with all of my, all the coaches that I've had over the years. Um, cause it's, most of them have not been good. <laughs> and so the first one in particular, I'm like, man, this guy kind of knows his stuff, but man, he's a shitty coach. Like the actual coaching aspect of things and just like how together he is like, no, like I could do way better than this. I've got the skill set necessary to do this. And so I, I started a second business, basically an offshoot of the first business. I just built a, a separate website for it. So I'm not talking about in-person training, but I'm talking about online coaching and that's five-star physique. So that's where you are right now. <laughs> that's, that's how I got here. Um, and then, uh, living in Asheville at, at that point I had, you know, just a, a couple of clients and, you know, they, they weren't even all, I'd say I had like four or five clients, um, two of whom, um, I knew personally. Um, one was a guy who just found me randomly, um, who wasn't interested in competing. Um, and then one who, uh, a woman who found me who had competed before, um, but wanted to do it again and coached herself the first time, but wanted to coach the second time around. I'm like, okay, cool. And she just happened to be like the perfect client for that first, like person who doesn't know you, who wants to be successful and who trusts you and puts some faith in you and is willing to work hard and do pretty much everything it takes to win. And, uh, she did everything it took and she won. And so that was a great springboard to build from, um, her being like the first client that I'd worked with remotely who didn't know me, the first stranger that I'd worked with. So, um, we did really well. Um, it was a huge confidence boost for me at the same time. And then, uh, things took off from there. And then, you know, I met my wife online and was kind of scheduling this move to Knoxville. And I'm like, I don't want to pick up and, you know, start training in another studio, um, in Knoxville. I want to go and be just a hundred percent online by the time I move there. So, um, my goal was to be like, if I can get like, I can't remember what the number was like 15, 18 clients, something like that, then I can support myself and I can kind of build from there. And by the time the moving date came around, I think I had 20 or 21 and, uh, no looking back since then. So, that's pretty much how it happened, just like that. So, um, former, you know, aspiring music teacher, former aspiring civil engineer slash wastewater engineer, but now current bodybuilding coach. <laughs> and, uh, you know, things uh, worked out the way that they were supposed to, for sure. That much is certain. So, uh, I'm happy doing this. Uh, it is tiring, it is exhausting, it is a lot harder work than you might think. Um, it truly is. Um, I have, especially lately, been having really long days, just really tired, exhausted, um, but no regrets, none. I'm happy to be exhausted. I'm happy to have the work, especially during a pandemic. I got no complaints, none at all. So that's my story.
I'm sticking to it. Um, at this point, I am thirsty. So, another drink. I'm also starving. I will not make you listen to me eat. Um, and my dog, Taz, and uh, Derby up somewhere as well. Um, they're ready for walks. So it's time to get out the door and get this day started. So I appreciate you coming along um, on this little journey with me here, indulging me. Thank you, Drew, for the question. I always take any opportunity to talk about myself. Happy to do it. Um, and also, um, thank you, uh, Dana, for the question. And also, um, Aaron, for the insight in how they're handling this show. Uh, in uh, I'm going to say Minnesota, I hope, I think so. Um, so very interesting stuff. And like I said, uh, putting out the call, if anybody knows a non-stim pre-workout that you recommend and feel highly about, call in and let me know that number to call in 865-518-2974. You can also go to thedropset.com. The number is right there. Find me on social media, Instagram at Darren underscore star, facebook.com slash five star physique. Also on YouTube at five star physique. Uh, hit me up with questions. Let me know what's on your mind. Call in chat for a bit. Let's see what we got and I'll be back next Friday.